foremost. And this is The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden. Good morning. Yes, indeed, it is the Saturday show and indeed it is me, Edward Hayden, with you and with you right through until 12 noon and hopefully you're in a position to stay with me and us on till then here on KCLR. Thank you so much to the lovely Natalie for uh, easing us gently into our Saturday morning with lots of music and chat. Natalie will be back on air with you tomorrow evening as well. The lovely Ashling is with me this morning. She's in a lovely khaki green and her little uh, her little bob is really settling in. Uh, lovely. She's kind of like, a bit like Jennifer Aniston with the fringe, I've decided uh, this morning because I'm revisiting friends at the moment. So Jennifer is fresh in my mind. 0833069696 is our dinner's ready. .ie contact line and we'd love to hear from you right throughout the morning with all of your texts, greetings, dedications, thoughts and um, lots more besides. Or of course you can telephone Ashling on 1800 90 96 96. I was a little bit the same this morning when I woke up, you know, I was kind of thinking, I was lying in the bed for a minute when I woke up thinking, you know, what day of the week is it? And then I was like, oh, it's Saturday, I must go. Um, so there's still a little bit of that about it, even though I did hear that this weekend is to be the quietest social weekend of the year. Um, so anyway, more details on that anon. What have I got coming up this morning? Well, our resident gardening expert will be with us presently. That is Shirley Lanigan, the Queen of the Garden. She'll be with us very, very shortly. Uh, also, we're going to be chatting all things Glohor Carlock this morning. August Tobrida, the Roshdeg, Chakter, Ronklar, Er, Elahur, Teresh, Adel, Akunyevde. And she's going to be telling us all about the uh, Pan-Celtic National Song Contest that's taking place in the George Bernard Shaw Theatre on Saturday the 27th of January. And as always with Breda, she'll be telling us lots more besides as well. Uh, we're going to be diving into the world of salt therapy. Um, there's a lot of doses going around, as you know, at the minute. So we're going to be diving into the world of salt therapy a little bit later on. So looking forward to hearing all uh, the, the, the work that that can do for us. Uh, we're also going to be chatting with Jerry Hussey from soulspace.ie. He's going to help us to enter a new mindset God, I don't know. Ashton, do we we probably do need a new mindset. Okay, let's let's say that we need a new mindset. I think I wonder is it possible for him to inculcate a new mindset into me? That's the message. Uh, Tony Christie, of course, Tony Christie will be known from his big hit. Is this the way to Amarillo? Bum bum. Anyway, well, Tony Christie is coming on because um he has had a dementia diagnosis in 2021. So we're going to be chatting with him how he is experiencing that at the moment. And as you will um, have heard over the last couple of days, there has been uh, a series of protests in Carlo outside the Capuchin Friary, um, where it was originally intended to house 50 international um 50 men seeking international protection that um, appears to um, have underwent a government U-turn and is now to house families. Deputy Jennifer Renan O'Connor has been uh, speaking extensively along the week on local and national media with regard to this. Um, our representative from Carlo and Kilkenny and she'll be joining us after half 11 this morning to perhaps uh, offer further clarity and um, see what the situation 
in Carlo is about that at the moment. So that and lots more besides here. 083-306-9696 is our dinners ready data e-contact line. Let's head over to the telephone line on it. We're joined by Shirley Lanigan, our resident expert. Shirley, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. Good morning, everybody. Shirley Get has... A new brain too. <laughs> what did you say? You can get me a new brain as well. Oh, yeah, listen, when we're getting... Oh, listen, come here till I tell you, it's uh, it's not as easy, I think, as as they say. Um, Have you established in your mind and have you committed to your mind, Shirley, as yet that it is the 13th of January? Are you back on track, do you think? Oh, I I, I wasn't allowed to leave the track this year. (laughs) Yeah, no, there was a minor detour for about three days of Christmas and basically it was back, back, get back in, get back over to that desk there now. So, yeah, I, I, I do feel sorry for people having to wind themselves back up again, though, into it, because, you know, the minute you get off, uh, it is always hard to get back on again. It is for sure. Uh, how is your project coming along, Shirley? How is your uh, writing endeavour? Because I know spring is your deadline and spring is, is very nearly upon us. I know I could do with an extra few months of winter. <laughs> <laughs> I will, you know, it's, Edward, isn't it like everything? It always gets done. That's the only thing I can say. Yeah. I, and I keep telling myself, it always gets done. So just keep going. Absolutely. Head down, put the blinkers on. It always gets done. It always gets done, for sure. Now, uh, it's text in straight away, Shirley, because roses are hugely popular, aren't they? You know, a lot of gardeners, I think, pride themselves on uh, on their roses. But our texture and says, rightly so. and rightly so. I remember years ago, the pioneers, I think they still do it. They used to run a, a competition in Lachlan Bridge. It was the Pioneer Rose Day. And there were so many different categories of awards. But the specimen rose was always, um, you know, highly coveted title to win. And people would be minding uh, roses all along the summer to get them ready for, for the competition with the pioneers. Yeah, no, there, there is nothing like roses. They are, they are without doubt, and rightly so, every, most people's favourite flower. And when you think of a flower, a rose is usually the first one that comes to, comes to mind. They are the best. And of course now, we might as well say it'll be in a month's time, people will be ringing the florist last minute to see, can they order a few roses for their, uh, <laughs> for their beloveds? Yeah, but I I don't think I don't think that single long twelve inch uh, red rose is the one that comes to most people's minds because there's no scent off that. No. What you need with a rose is scent, and a real rose from the garden. If you're going to plant one, make sure it's got a scent. And if you want to steal a cutting from somebody else, make sure, stick your nose in there first and make sure it's got a good scent. Because when we think about how much we love roses, the scent is a lot of us. We, we usually think of, oh, lie back and think of that beautiful, um, what's that Turkish delight scent a lot of them have. I mean, it's really beautiful. So, yeah, when, when, when I think of roses, I think of scented ones and um, not the... Uh, not the the, the, the the long red ones for Valentine's Day, which oh, I don't know. They don't, I, I, I don't know about them at all. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. If they're not ambrosial, they're not romantic. That's the message. There you go. That's it. You put it in a nutshell. Anyway, speaking of robbing the roses, um, our texter says, good morning, Edward. Can you please ask Shirley, when is the best time to get a cutting from a rose and do you cut it below the bud? Now, that's an interesting question because it's a, it's, it's a, you have one chance really to get the cutting right, of course. 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, where you cut it is extremely important. The best time to take a rose cutting is in the summer, usually just after the first flush. But you can chance it at any time of year. Mm. Okay, so say if you're up in Donegal and your aunt has the most beautiful rose bush and it's February and there's no flower on it, it's it's worth your while taking two or three cuttings and bring them home and see if they work. So try it at any time of the year, but the best time is in summer. Now, what you want to think of is the width of the width of a pencil and the length of a ruler. So you, that's what you want from your cutting. It's got to be a piece of wood that's a, 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 a twig that is the width of a pencil. And going below the bud, as that person rightly said, you cut a straight line below a bud. And then you, so you've taken it away from the plant at that. And then count up to around the length of a ruler, about sort of 30 centimetres, 12 inches. And cut above whichever bud would bring you to that length best. And on the top bud, you cut very slightly on an angle. Now, the reason for this is there's two reasons. Uh, When you've got a whole, if you're doing a whole bunch of cuttings and you've got a a handful of your cuttings, you need to know which one goes in the ground and which one goes in the earth. Mm. You'll know the flat one goes in the ground and the sloped one goes uh, uh, up to the sky. And the reason the one out in the open is sloped is because when it rains, the rain will fall off the top of the cutting. It won't sit in a little humpy bubble on top of a flat cutting and possibly rot it on you. So there's two reasons for, for, for that particular way of cutting it. Now, all you do is you go to a sunny part of your garden, take a spade and open up a trench. And you literally just stick those cuttings down half above, half below the ground. Put a label beside them saying... Auntie Mary's red rose, Auntie Pauline's pink rose, Auntie so-and-so's white rose or whatever, and go away and forget about them. And in about a year, you'll be digging up a small plant. And in about two or three years, you'll be having flowers. It is that easy. How gorgeous. Isn't it? It's brilliant. And Shirley, in terms of like, you know, the way um, people kind of uh, might put it into a, a, a glass of, of water or whatever and wait for roots there. Is there another uh, attack that you can come at it that way and with a bit of rooting part? You know, the way people are, are leaving things in jam jars on their window to root. I, I wouldn't do it with the rose. I do that with things like sedum okay. or, or willow, you know, where, where you've, or, or, or even like a little cactus or something, where you see the roots coming quickly. But no, a rose is going through thoroughly and it, it, it's a semi-ripe cutting. So put it in the ground and, 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 and leave it there. If you have rooting powder, sprinkle a bit onto it, dip it in and, and, and shake off the excess and do the same do the same job that I told you. You don't need it, but if you have it, you might as well get the use out of it. Absolutely. Brendan uh, from Hackettstown is agreeing with you. He said, uh, yes, I always take my rose cuttings in August um, as yeah, well. Yeah, August is good too. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, which is uh, which is great, and again, of course, Shirley, you know the way. Are there different types? You know, there sometimes you see these tall roses that are kind of quite ash. Uh, they're nearly ugly towards the bottom because they're they're scrawny, um, and then they kind of grow quite high. Is there one that you can get that's like, like a, a bushy that'd... rose? Oh yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. There are carpet roses which stay nice and low. There are miniature roses which stay nice and low. 
there are patio roses, which stay nice and low. The ones you're thinking of could be shrub roses. Uh, you usually have leaves from almost from the ground up, so mm. you could go with them, and they can be a big plant, but you'll have leaves and foliage fairly, fairly low down towards the ground. The two I think you're thinking of are either hybrid teas, um, the ones that you'd be used to seeing in parks, you know, yes. a, a straight line uh, in a formal border. And they are sort of gangly looking plants, really, and you can't wait to get a, a, the, the flowers to look at because the plant itself is a bit of a fright. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, um, and obviously, climbers and ramblers, you know, they want to get up a good height before they start putting on foliage and, and flowers. So maybe that's what you're thinking of. And Shirley, listen... If you have, if you have hybrid teas and you want something, you want a bit of action on the ground to, to cover up those untidy legs, you could plant things like hardy geraniums underneath and that gives you a nice fluff of foliage and the flowers of the geraniums underneath the flowers of your roses. So that's another way to uh, make better use of your I suppose would be a way to, to, to term that. How oh, lovely. You were going to give us some advice or counsel around pruning before we, uh, be, we, let, before we let you go because now you could be tidying up around the garden and pruning as part of that. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you could be pruning back now. If you have a wisteria, you prune wisteria twice in the year. The, the big one is now and basically you're, you're going to be bringing back any of those big, long, whippy uh, branches that have gone out in all directions and you're bringing them back, following them back to about three buds from the main stem. So that could get a lot of tidying up done because things like wisteria, they're, you know, they're a bit mental. Some of the clematis, like jackmanii, that's going to be looking an awful mess at the moment. You can literally chop that to knee height at this stage. So that's something you could cut at this stage. Uh, and if you want to, you can prune roses now as well. They have discovered, they used to have all these very elaborate rules about when, when you could and couldn't prune roses. and You had to wait until St. Patrick's Day or whatever day it was. And they did trials in the RHS in England and they basically did everything except take a chainsaw to them. And they did it at all times of the year. And no matter what they did, the roses came back. So long as they're cut, you know, to just above a bud so that there's buds there to, to, to shoot out. So if you have roses that are, you know, being blown around in the wind at the moment, it's not good for a plant to get that sort of wind rock where you look down to the trunk where it goes into the soil and you can see a hole around it because the plant is being pushed back and forward. That's not good for a plant. Stuff the soil back in there again and you could reduce down the height of that, that, that shrub by maybe a third anyway. Okay. Take out all the dead stuff, take out all the, the weak and spindly little stuff, take out all the branches that are crossing off each other and, 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 and injuring each other. You'll see when you see branches crossing, the wind, as it makes them move back and forward, makes them injure each other and you get sort of scabbed and, and, and diseased looking foliage uh, growth. You could cut out all of those and then stand back and... See if you like to look at it and you're off again for another year. Pile on the manure and, as I say, you're off for another year. How lovely. Uh, Texter says, we tried to get cuttings, just back to our roses, Shirley, we tried to get cuttings from an Arthur Bell rose for years and it never grows. And did you do it exactly as I, 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 I said there? I wonder. See, sometimes people, they, 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 they might think, take a nice, fresh little uh, new growth uh, cutting from the out from the the, the, the top of a of a, a shrub because with a lot of plants 
those small six inch, 15 centimetre length, brand new soft growth cuttings are what work. It's just, that's not what you do with roses. So I'm just wondering if maybe they were following the advice that they would have for something like a, a, a lavender or a hebe or um, a fuchsia or something like that. Follow the instructions are, uh, is, is the message. Shirley, listen, we'll let you back to the typewriter, one finger typewriter. And... Oh no, lots of fingers. I have one more great tip I got during the week. <clears throat> Last week, somebody asked about, about could they still plant bulbs and tulips and things? And I said, yes, you can, because I often do, because I lose them and I find them. And I was talking to fabulous gardener, Mary Keenan from the Irish Garden during the week. And she said she's still got tulips that haven't been planted because she found them hidden under a bench or something. And what she does at this time of the year is put them in a bucket or a bath for about 24 hours and that gives them a sort of a chance to soften up and begin putting out little roots plant them immediately then and you've almost you'll, you'll almost catch up with the people who planted them at the right time back in uh, November a bucket of water like is it yeah just overnight to give the roots a chance to sort of get a jump on themselves fatten up and rehydrate the bulb tepid water or cold water I, I would, I'd, I'd go, actually I'd go cold because they're going to be going out on the ground. You don't want to warm them up and then give them an awful shock after that. Oh, lovely. <laughs> bath bath yes. your tulips. Give them a good bath. No bubble bath though. No, 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 no. Well, none of us can come out badly out of the bath, Shirley. So if it's good enough for ourselves, it's good enough for the tulips for sure. There you go. Thanks, Shirley. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Bye. Bye-bye. That's uh, resident gardening expert Shirley Lanigan. Bathing our tulips. Anish, thosos biog aun. Fonan shave me the rash e couple no made a kind fui a kind le. Read it the rosh the fonan show. This Saturday show with Edward Hayden. With thanks to Lyrath Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on Lyrath.com. Anish Falcher, Ash Edward Hayden here with you on the Saturday show. Good morning to Bridget, who is out walking. So uh, she sent us a text. She's out walking and listening to Casey Lawrence. So thank you, Bridget. And good morning to you. Lovely to hear uh, from you. Uh, another texter tells us, um, kindly ask Edward to be aware that Fianna Fáil tell members to contact radio stations when TDs are on air. Edward, please ask Jennifer about it. It's intended to attract voters for fast approaching elections. Well, thank you uh, for the text as well. But um, we do endeavour here to always be measured with, with all of our guests. So um, I, I think we'll be able to uh, decipher any uh, rogue texts that are coming into us as well. But thank you uh, for the sincerity of your message as well. Now, let's head over to the telephone line because er on Gohan, Tavri the Roche, the Breathe, Falsha, Quick Clara and Saharan. Good morning, my God. 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 Good Good morning, my God. August Lanchul, August, and Prince Shaw, I suppose it's a, a healthy time, it's more important maybe than a lot of uh, 
of other reasons to say that it made a good Christmas. For sure and certain, for sure and certain because uh, I just said, I said it I think last week or the week before, I just felt over Christmas and the run up to Christmas and the New Year, there was like a tsunami of bad news and ill health and people in bother uh, coming at us as well. So that, um, that, that, that health peace is is very important in the middle of it all. Uh, Breda, listen, Tommy, the egg olivudon comortus auron arish the pan Celtic inishton. Yes, indeed. Um, talking about Christmas, Christmas was just barely over when we were in the throes of making sure that everything would be in place for the last Saturday, as you said, of January. Uh, that's today. Two weeks, we will have the. Um, uh, the final of the National Song Contest taking place here in Visual Carlo. And of course, that meant that we had to get brand newly composed songs uh, of Gaelga, uh, both lyrics and uh, music to be newly composed. And the songs and the entries kept coming in over the Christmas, and it was brilliant. We had over 30 entries in total, and then they have been whittled down to 14 great songs, and those have made it to the shortlist to take part in the live final in visual on Saturday the 27th of January. That's fantastic. So Tha, more on Sima Hivli in a show. Oh Tha, I guess Gokli and like everything else you're wondering will there be the same answers in previous years and then um, at the last minute you know I suppose people want to put the final touches to their compositions and make sure they have the right person to sing the song because they don't have to sing it themselves but all of that is said uh, over and done with now and as I said we're left with 14 great songs and it's brilliant to say that we'll have a uh, we have local interest so would you like to hear who, who the local entries will be? Oh please all right lad now this might be this might be you know an early an exclusive but we have the the encore female group and they actually are about 12 uh, young women and they've come together in the last couple of years to form a new group called Encore. They were singers together as children and as teenagers and they went away from it for a while while they were looking after their careers and now it's fabulous they're back. Encore is called and uh, they had a song last year. It won the National Song Contest and it tied for second place in the International Song Contest so we're delighted to announce that they're back with another one. And this time it's called Who's Shall, He's Shall. Up and down, I suppose. Um, you know, sometimes people feel up on the top of the world and mm-hmm. then other times we're kind of down in the jumps. But Who's Shall, He's Shall. And that has been penned by Melissa Brunach again and the music put with it by another one of the members of Encore, Claire McQueen. So mm-hmm. with that one, uh, we also have... Um, um, uh, in Aino Cassidy and the uh, Young Cassidy family, as we call them, they go by the name of Burn Church there in Kilkenny. Oh, Ask Kilkenny. Ask Kilkenny, yeah. Because the Ahnegots is talking Shahroon or Cassidy, and the, the older members, we'll say, of the previous generation, hailing all the way from Donegal, and they had all those lovely songs as we grew up. Well, now isn't it great to see that they're next generation? So Aina seems to be the one um, who is. Um, really first class at composing and then here's his family to give a lovely um, harmonised uh, version of that family song so it's called Majins and then we have a third uh, local interest in the song and that is um, uh, uh, Oshin Makanede Oshin is living in, in Kilkenny and he's teaching in the Gael Calhousey here in Carlow so Carlow and Kilkenny we can share him Absolutely. for this particular event and his song is called Anish 
it's got in law now and for every forever more now and every day. So those three songs will have particular local interest. But of course, we have songs as well from Johnny Gall. We have two from Johnny Gall. We have three or four from Connemara. We have some from Wio, um, Dublin. We have three or four from Dublin. And there's one in there from um, Cork as well. So really, it's a great spread and uh, a great spread of performers as well. Some of our, our um, individual singers, some are groups, and some of, the, of them are bands. And there's also great variety in the style because... Um, you know, some dance competitions might be all, we'll say, country songs or all Chano songs or whatever. Mm. But this is um, every every style. The only, there's only one rule, and that's that it be newly composed and just Gaelga. So it doesn't matter whether it's pop, rock, traditional, country, whatever you're having. How lovely. And breathe the air on Ihe, Kehid na Vrahihuna. Oh, yes. Yeah, Shin Fokalan, Anaba, Maltori, Jeremy Freshen, Ray Tori, as well, Maltori, Britna Brahuna. Or La Salan, I think she would be a, a hero or a heroine of, of your own. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, she got she go hauling, that's it. Oh, Gahalin August. Uh, I, I don't know the word now, Brita, so you'll have to help me. I was going to say, I was. Uh, I have a t- terrible start in it in Irish and then finish it in English. I was going to say, thought she on a talented. Oh, so she owns the talent and she certainly does. She owns the talent, yes. She has them because she's an Aurani. She's a screed or a songwriter. She's a Kjoltor. Colleen on a jazz freshen. Anna, yes, Dinner Alling, August Tysquin, Vichy Partigan, Group, a Celtic Woman, isn't it? That's and right. also the uh, lovely chamber choir, Anuna. Um, so she has a Goxor talent that we think it will be required to um, kind of, you know, compare on, co- compare and contrast all of these songs. And, help and along, Gwelig Freshen. August and Gwelig Freshen. Come on, she's a lovely Irish singer herself. She's done uh, judging at lots and lots of competitions at teenager and at adult level and the Oroctus and all things like that. And then we're delighted to say we have one of our own, Taig, or Taigo Grisine as we call him, but he goes as Taig now. And he's a singer, musician, songwriter, Gael Gore, past pupils of Gael School and Gael Colossi here in Carlo. And he himself took part in the Pan-Celtic National Song Contest uh, three or four times in the earlier years, 2012, 13, 14, those years. And uh, he's now a young man in his 20s, and we're delighted that he is um, one of our three judges for this uh, national song contest. So between the, the all of the, their various talents, their age groups, I presume their own interest in music, mm. And we hope that the, I mean, it's a it's a huge job to choose a song when they're especially of all different types and to come up with a a, a winner. When there's a, a third, to make it exciting, we'll have a third prize which gets just a hundred euro. We'll have a second prize that gets two hundred euro, and the top third prize gets a thousand euro. The national trophy and the honour and glory of singing for Ireland in the international song contest here in Carlo in April. Oh, I thought a long douche because I was going to ask you because they invite her on Comortus Conkeen, but they move onwards then to uh, to represent mm. the country. That's right. Yes, indeed. And it's wonderful um, for, for to have this opportunity. Um, singing and songwriting is very strong 
um, with all age groups, particularly, I suppose, with the younger and um, young adults. And it's wonderful then that we have this competition to entice them and to encourage them to polish up their songs and bring it to, um, to the level that will be required for this really prestigious event. And of course, overseeing all of that, we are just so lucky to have the one and only Ollie Hennessy, his music director. He's on our Pan-Celtic committee. Oscar Harlock. Oscar Harlock. And um, what Ollie doesn't know about uh, singing and music and arranging songs and presenting songs. And he gives them, uh, all of the um, performers will get great help and assistance and support uh, from Ollie. And Ollie has also assembled a Pan-Celtic house band. How lovely. Uh, to be able to supply extra music and backing. So he has some of the best um, and um, they will be available on the night. And you're really going to get uh, an exclusive now. Will you get it? Oh, I get it. I'm Tom Glore. I'm Tom Glore. I'm Tom Glore. I'm Tom Listeners. Le story. Le story. Yeah. Um, and we have a special, each time we have a special artist, a guest artist, you know, to fill in that gap between mm. the songs having been performed and the judges doing their work and then coming back with the winners. And the uh, guest artists this year, this year, this time, are the one and only Carlo Ukulele players. You had them in your studio sometimes. I back. certainly did. I remember them well and they were absolutely uh, excellent. Breathe on, will ticket, uh, ticket, uh, air fall forth. Ta, ta, tigedi for just 15 euro on the night. It's Tashi Tudor Falls from the box office, box office at visualcarlo.ie. Um, or uh, they can phone phone the, the box office there and as well there will be tickets available on the night. Well, that's if they're not all sold out because each of these groups coming from uh, Connemara and Mayo and Donegal and they all bring a group with them as supporters. And uh, yeah. And um, so, and of course, then with the local entries, when we have um, three local entry entries, um, they, they'll have their friends and their families out. So, of course, um, the advice is really to go go on to uh, box office at visualcarla.ie or list the phone 059-91-72400. And, um, um, and as I said, then hopefully there will be some, some tickets available on the night. Absolutely. But, uh, and if you're doing nothing yourself on that night, if you have a free, free diary um, night, put it in the diary and uh, we'd be delighted to have you as our guest at the National Song Contest. Two weeks time, the twenty seventh oh. of January. The Neil Falterro. Kinta Erosa, but it's absolutely fantastic and, and great to have it. So Gunairi uh, Anta for sure. Uh, good morning, Breed, and thank you so much, Mila Buiakas. Yeah, Mila Buiakas and Goramahagut as usual for your great support and promotion of all things Gaelic, but especially at this stage, the Pan-Celtic. Um, and this is kicking it off now with the National Song Contest because, of course, then we'll be writing to the preparation for the International Pan-Celtic Festival is at Easter time. Well, hopefully you will uh, come a rash or Aaron Clare because it's Bralum knock well to Aaron Clare on Saturn. So, we'll be able to that's Breda Roche there. Um, absolutely fantastic woman. I'm just like a big, massive fan of Breda de Roche and all of the work that she does uh, with the Irish language. And I think certainly uh, Carlo has distinguished itself, has been uh, a county with uh, great prolific 
uh, engagement in the Irish language and a lot of that is due to uh, Breda and her team and that level of passion um, that, that they share around that is Ban Iunthuk eh, for sure um, now uh, let's take a little break and we'll be back in just a couple of more fun on show the Saturday show with Edward Hayden KCLR with thanks to Lyrath Estate Kilkenny's luxury hotel perfect for spoiling yourself more details on lyrath.com Carlo Kilkenny KCLR Now You know I'd be delighted with myself with my couple of focal Gaelic and then Kula me Marty and er on er on sus and not will she eros er fad a kind Gaelic so it's lovely to hear as well Now uh, there's a lot of doses going around you're hearing our own Natalie telling us all about uh, her doses and her uh, voice but there's a lot of that going around so we wanted to talk uh, to somebody about some alternative health issues and we thought we would invite Juana Juana from uh, Kilkenny's Salt Therapy um, Centre on the Dublin Road in Kilkenny to tell us all about the advantages of that and indeed the modus operandi of it. So Juana Juana, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. Good morning, everyone. How Thank are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for taking our call. Two of my friends that I know of anyway have been into you and they speak very highly of what happens around salt therapy. Now, I suppose many of us know that salt has been used uh, for healing and medicinal purposes for, for many number of years and perhaps as an antiseptic or whatever. But talk to us about what happens in your facility there in Kilkenny Salt Therapy or more especially what exactly salt therapy is. Okay, so um, salt therapy is a completely natural treatment where dry salt particles are passively inhaled in our specially constructed rooms. We have two rooms there, one for adults and one for uh, children with a lot of toys, tellies. So they don't realize there's a treatment going on. They'll be playing during the session. Um, we have a little like slide. Um, we have even like when when the session is, is finished, they don't mm. want to leave the room. So and th- from that point of view, it's great because Kids are always kind of, you know, they're afraid if they know that they're going to a doctor or for a treatment. Um, they're a bit nervous. They don't know what to expect. So um, it's a totally different um, environment that uh, what they are expecting. In the adult room, it's more relaxing. We have like a background with a relaxing music and you just sit down and you breathe the salty air. Now, our goal is to help people improve their respiratory health as well as reducing the system, the, sorry, the symptoms of asthma, bronchitis, any sinus infection, and build their immunity so you don't have to suffer with anything. Um, it, it helps like sport performance. Um, it helps with um, skin conditions, and there is no side effect. And as you said, salt is used for a very long time. It's just it's not being um, talked or promoted as much as it should be because salt... Uh, it is a natural and antibacterial um, you know, kind of product, if you want to call it. So it helps to dehydrate bacteria in viruses. So if you're suffering from, uh, let's just say, congestion, you will start breathing easier as the salt therapy accelerates the mucus clearance from your lungs. So that means that it will thin the, the mucus and it will be easier for you to expel anything that, mm. you know, congestion or anything that is blocking your, your, lo- your lungs. Uh, it works, we always kind of say to people, like, it works like a brush. 
it will clean your lungs and will kind of take it out. Um, it will be a little bit of productive cough, so you don't kind of leave the place kind of coughing. And but it, that's how it works. Um, so you just simply sit down in one of the salt room. Uh, you're being exposed to the salt aerosol, as I said. And that was we that was to... actually one of my questions was in relation to, you know, what do you need to do? Is it sit down? Do you lie down? Do you just go in exactly. in your own clothes? Do you need to kind of put on a robe or what way does that work? No, no, you just go in and you sit down in your own clothes. There is no special gear. We do provide the shoe cover because our salt rooms are clad with salt, with natural salt from a salt mine in Romania, as well as Himalayan salt. So on the floor, it's like a sand. So we have salt on the floor, we have salt on the walls, the ceiling, the same is, is cladded with salt. And during the salt therapy, we have pharmaceutical salt that is pumped into the room as well. So it's a mixed and uh, we tried to replicate the environment from a salt mine as much as we could. Um, Lovely. Talk to me about the skin condition end of things. I'm interested in what it can do for um, our skin. So what could it do for my skin? So so for um, it works from the inside as well from the outside. So during the salt therapy session, if you have a skin condition, um, the salt particles will land on your skin. So you know yourself, like if you cut uh, a little bit of your skin or something, mm. and you put salt, that will that will obviously is going to be kind of um, a bit painful if you want to say it. Yes. But it will close the wound. So that's what it does. It will kill the bacteria uh, from that place and will help kind of healing the the open kind of cut if you have it. So it, it's great for anything that, you know, eczema or psoriasis, as well as working from the inside out, as I mentioned. So it, it clears your system, but also the, the salt that will land on your skin, it will, um, it will kill any kind of bacteria. So it will help on that as well. Okay. It will help with sport performance. It will, you know, open the airways. It will make you breathe easier. You won't get tired as quick so if you're doing any sport or if you're, you know, if you're singing. And then it will give you more, you know, to breathe and your your lung will be more healthy. Um, it has a lot of benefits. It sounds, this yeah, time it sounds of the fantastic. Year. Yeah, especially this time of the year when it's it's cold, it's damp, and everyone has a little bit of congestion or cough. Of course. Or, you and know, tell if me, you have any asthma. how do we, Juana, how do we uh, book in or how do we get in contact with you to uh, arrange, uh, arrange a time slot? So we have the website, it's kilkennysalttherapy.ie. You can book online, you can um, give us a ring as well. Um, you can book it through our Facebook, um, Instagram. We have uh, kilkennysalttherapy.ie. Um, it, it's we have obviously we are present on all social media. So whatever yeah. it's easier for for yourself, you can reach us. Uh, mobile, landline, anything. And we do recommend a number of sessions because it is like going to gym. If you're not going and you're not committed to a few sessions, then you won't see the results. Of course. So. Uh, depending how bad you're suffering or what you want to achieve, we would recommend a number of sessions per week or even if it's once a week for a couple of weeks, you will see the, the difference. And sometimes people, even after the treatment, um, they when they finish the session, they will come back and say, oh, actually, when I was going to the salt rooms, I didn't have, you know, that, you know the asthma wasn't that bad or um, I was able to breathe better.
So it, it's, it's, it works as a preventive treatment as well. It sounds fantastic. It sounds fantastic. I think I'll be giving it a try myself. Thanks so much for um, walking us through it. And uh, I've heard so much about it. We're delighted to get a a good sense of it from from the woman herself. So thank you and uh, continued good wishes. Good morning to you. All the best. Take care. Thank you. That was uh, Juana Juana from Kilkenny Soul Therapy. I've heard a good bit about it. And yeah, I think I'll definitely be trying that out. See, can I try and improve on perfection? Uh, anyway, let's take a little break. <laughs> Ashling is left. Carlo. Kilkenny. KCLR. KCLR indeed. Now, a texter is asking, uh, who ca- how can it help your skin if you're wearing your clothes? Now, I kind of was wondering about, that's why I asked, but I my understanding is it's kind of for, you know, cuts and um, bits. It's more that antiseptic, that medicinal healing uh, piece as opposed to you know maybe an exfoliant but um, yeah I've heard so many people talking about it and talking very favourably about it and I don't think it's too costly um, I never like to ask people the course questions around how much is it but uh, I don't think it's too costly so uh, it could be worth checking that out as well now uh, we were very busy last week I didn't have time to give you some New Year's advice so I've decided I'll give you a little bit of it now but um, I thought I wouldn't be as worthy to give you the New Year's advice as Rosalind Lenehan would. So here she is. When I was just a little bitty girl upon my daddy's knee he used to say my darling dear take this advice from me there's a north of Ireland saying it is old but it is true when things get tough and the going's rough here's what you've got to do soap your arse and slide backwards up a rainbow yes my dear that is my advice to you soap your arse and slide backwards up a rainbow don't be sad or be glum put the soap to your bum and the skies will turn blue the years pass by. <laughs> I have children of my own. <laughs> and their world is full of strife. And they ask me, what's the secret of my long and happy life? Their soul fills up with sorrow and with gloom. They want to cry. They feel so blue. What can they do? And here is my
Now, whatever advice you get for how to live your new year, there it is. If it's all going belly up, you can always do that. Rosaline Lenehan, isn't she? Absolutely uh, fantastic uh, as well. Um, she's she's really fantastic. So um, and great actress still still working away. Um, she's absolutely fantastic. Now, in the next hour of the show, we have Jerry Hussey, we have Tony Christie and we have Jennifer Murnane O'Connor. So we certainly have lots um, coming up in the next hour of the show. Text us in 083306-9696. It's our dinnersready.ie contact line. But for now, we're going to take a break and go over to news at top of the hour. KCLR. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. 083306-9696 is our dinnersready.ie contact line. What way are you all, guys? How are you heading into the new year? How are you feeling um, about it all? It's There's an awful lot of expectation, isn't there? And there's an awful lot of you must do this and you must do that. And um, do you know what? Do whatever suits yourself, I think. That's what I'm going to do. That's my New Year's resolution. going to suit myself. Um, I had a lovely day out last week, actually. Uh, on last Saturday after the, after the show, I went out. Uh, with my friends Catherine and Siobhan and uh, we had a lovely day um, I have to say of catching up and just seeing how life where we met more people and we met lovely people and do you know what I'm going to tell you this is what I've learned from last week when you go outside your own front door there's a whole land of possibility um, out there and you know we probably need to engage with that as much as we can but that was my little bit of learning from last week for sure and certain. Anyway, keep the text coming in to us 0833069696. Very shortly, we're going to be chatting with Jerry Hussey from soulspace.ie after which we'll be chatting with Tony Christie and of course, Tony Christie has stopped the world in his tracks by announcing that he wouldn't let his dementia diagnosis in 2021 stop him from performing and he's coming on to tell us that he wants to show that living with dementia doesn't have to mean an end to creativity and exploration. Of course, he's known to all um, from the hit song that was released first in 1971, Is This the Way to Amarillo? So we look forward to chatting with Tony Christie about that. And uh, again, of course, you've heard the stories in the media for the last couple of days with regard to the protests in Carlo outside of the Capuchin Friary. Um, where it was originally intended to house 50 males seeking international protection. Uh, the government appears and the department appears to have done a very quick U-turn around that um, following on from the protests and um, other interventions. So we're going to be chatting with Deputy Jennifer Nain O'Connor about that because it is our understanding now that uh, the Capuchin Friary in Dublin Street in Carlow is now to house um, 50 people comprising of families who are seeking international protection. So we want to see. Um, my understanding is the protests are still continuing. But uh, Jennifer Murnane, who's been on top of this story all uh, week in local and national media, will be here just after half 11 to give us an update on that. Let us know your thoughts 083306 That's our dinners contact line. Now let's head over to the telephone line first and foremostly because uh, I suppose we're all uh, new year, new me, a positive mindset and all of that so we're delighted to be joined um, on the telephone line by Jerry Hussey from soulspace.ie Good morning to you Jerry. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Jerry, good morning to you. Good, 
Good morning. No problem. How are you? I'm very good. And thanks for taking the time uh, to chat with us. Um, you're, you're, listen, you have a wealth of experience in this in this space. So we thought you'd be the perfect person to chat with. Of course, uh, your most recent book, The Freedom Within. Um, you're giving us this uh, opportunity, or I suppose this invitation to connect with our truest sense and, you know, get this sense of, of inner peace. It's... It's a big ask, Jerry, isn't it? It is a big ask, uh, particularly in a world where we're constantly kind of told to look outside, to chase goals, to, mm. you know, and in our modern world today, as we all know, there's so much uncertainty and adversity going on that the more we look outward is the more we're confronted with these messages of uncertainty and fear and unpredictability. Uh, and And that's why for me, you know, as a kid that grew up highly anxious and, and, and suffering from very bad panic attacks, I had to say, well, if I can't change the outside world, what can I change? And I think people think that how we feel on the inside is always as a direct consequence of the outside, but it's not really. And if anybody has suffered from anxiety or panic attacks, you'll know that you can be in the in the calmest, happiest external environment and yet inside be full of anxiety. So we know now from science that how you feel on the inside is not always a consequence of what's happening on the outside. So what I've been trying to do over the last few years is teach uh, high-performance athletes and people, even though we may be in an, a, an external world of adversity and change and uncertainty, there are still things that we can do each and every day to allow us to be more calm, more focused and more certain on the inside. So it's really managing, there's so much in the external world that we can't control, but there's so much in the inner world that we can control. For sure. Um, I know you do a lot of, of workshops. You do have one coming up at Johnstown Estate on the 14th of April. It's a Soul Sunday. And I thought that was a kind of a, a, a key place maybe to start for our listeners this morning because I know the workshop focuses on, on three areas, that whole notion of personal development, resilience and achieving potential for peak performance. If we were to look first at, at personal development, you know, how do we kind of go about that? Because I'm, I'm really interested by your thoughts there on uh, the complexities in the external environment and they can sometimes almost eclipse how we're, how we're feeling ourselves and uh, as we hold the mirror up at the world. You know, how do we really at best look after ourselves in that personal development piece, Jerry? Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, it's always been about simplifying stuff. And, you know, even this new year, new use, I'm not sure if I'm kind of into that because sometimes people set these big targets and they put themselves under pressure. So I would always say to anybody before you go chasing the target, before you go following any diet, before you go into any new training program, ask yourself why. Why do I want this? Why is this important to me? And what's it going to bring me? I think deep down, the thing we're all looking for is more peace, mm. more calmness. And what brings that starting is the sense that I'm enough. And it's amazing how many people are chasing careers, chasing promotions, chasing money, chasing Instagram followers. And then somehow that's like trying to be enough, trying to feel that I'm, I'm worthy or that I have some type of, you know, purpose in the world. And it's amazing how many people find it so hard to be alone. And if you ask someone to tell you about them without discussing their job or their marriage, it's like we don't really know who we are. 
So I think a lot of people, whether you call it, you know, spiritually or emotionally, there's a sense that we're alone and that we're not enough and we're extremely hard on ourselves and we push ourselves very hard and we're constantly chasing. And yet all these things that we chase, even when we get them, it doesn't seem to make us any happier. So I would say at any start, so the start of any year, ask yourself, what do I really want this year? And maybe it's more peace more fun, more happiness. And it could be as simple as just taking 15 minutes a day to stop, to breathe, to connect with yourself. Because the more we're connected to the outside world, just like you say, sometimes our body can be screaming for rest and we, we don't hear it. You know, our, 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 our life could be screaming for just more fun, more joy, but we're, we take life so seriously and we push ourselves so hard. So, we have to, on a daily basis, take time to stop, to breathe, to listen to ourselves and ask, what is my life actually about? What do I really want? Because the one thing we do know about life is it's short, it doesn't last forever, and before we know it, it's over. So what did you spend your life chasing? And very often we prioritize the urgent stuff, but not the important. So you ask anybody what's really important to me, they'll say my happiness my health and my family. And then you ask them, what takes up most of your time? It's not those things. So sometimes it's just about coming back to the basics. What is your life about? What do you really want more of? Don't be chasing fad diets and fitness plans. And They're great if you know why you're doing them, but are they going to make you happier? Are they going to make you more at peace? Are they going to balance your nervous system? Are they going to improve your gut health? Because if you're not working on those things, you can be the fittest person on the planet and unhappy. You could be the, the slimmest person on the world and unhappy. So I would say to everybody, personal transformation is about happiness and peace. And once we find that peace inside and that self-compassion, and when we look in the mirror, the moment you look in the mirror and you are enough for the person you see looking back, then something happens. So all transformation happens with transforming the relationship you have with yourself, transforming why you do what you do, making sure that in your one short, beautiful life, there's enough fun, there's enough laughter, there's enough dance, and that you don't actually take it too seriously because you know what? We're not getting out alive anyway. I love your use of the word compassion. And I suppose we often don't offer ourselves that level of compassion and contrition that we might offer to others. You know, we we excuse others of their misdemeanors and we excuse others of, you know, their, their demerits. But sometimes we, we judge ourselves very harshly, Jerry. I think, you know, I think you nailed it there. The one thing that all of us could gift ourselves with is a bit more self-compassion. There's a question I ask all my clients and I ask them a simple question. Do you sometimes speak to yourself in a way that you wouldn't speak to other people? Mm. Do you sometimes say things to yourself about yourself that are unkind and untrue? And do you sometimes push yourself harder than you'd push anybody else? And if the answer to all or any of those is yes, then the first place you need to start is not a fitness program, not a weight loss program, it's a self-compassion program where I actually begin to see my own beauty. I reconnect to my own truth. I find the one thing about myself that I love and I speak to myself in a more kind, more compassionate way. And when you transform that inner relationship, when you transform the way you speak to yourself, something amazing happens, not just 
in your mind, but in your nervous system, in your immune system. So there's an expression that I use and it says, no amount of green juice will alkalize a toxic self-image. So you can do all the yoga, you can do all the physical training, you can drink all the green juice you like, but if everything you're saying to yourself is that you're not good enough, is, 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 if you have a toxic relationship with yourself, all of that training and all of that green juice ain't worth the damn. It's a big thought, isn't it? It's 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 fascinating to, to to listen to and and to understand because I suppose we are all chasing something that we see as a better version of ourselves. But you know, when we get to that goalpost, you know, yeah. the mood has changed, hasn't it? And the environment in which we're observing it has changed. Absolutely, that's a lovely way of putting it. As in the mood of your pursuit. So I think people should change the word better, a better version of me. Forget the word better. Put in the word happier. Mm. I'm going to create a happier version of me. Better always seems, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, Mm. blah, blah, blah. But happier. I've worked with Olympic athletes who have been double world champions, double Olympic champions. And I'm telling you this, unless the medal makes you happy, it's not worth it. And I've seen Olympic champions who've become Olympic champions and it didn't make them any happier. And they kind of look back and say, what was all that about? And I've seen people who've gone to the Olympic Games and didn't medal, but they put their heart and soul into it. They loved every minute of it. And they come home and say, gee, that was a great experience. So sometimes we think that the outcome justifies the means. If we push ourselves hard, if we drive ourselves on, then in the summer we'll go take a holiday or at the weekend we'll be happy or when I retire I'll be happy. But so much of your life isn't just the journey. So how about, well, I use W-I-N. What, W-I-N means what's important now. So can I be a little bit more happier today? Can I have more peace today? Too many of us are too happy to sacrifice happiness in the present in this delusional hope that at some point in the future, happiness will kind of fall out of the sky and hit us. The greatest indicator of how happy you're going to be in the future is how happy you are now. It's a skill. Nobody has the perfect life. Nobody has it all all sorted. I certainly don't have it all sorted. My life is chaotic at times. Mm. And it's the ability to be at ease in that, to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, and at times to be okay with the fact that my house might be upside down today. I don't need to have the house cleaned. I don't need to know if I'm going to get the promotion. I don't need to know how it all works out. I just need to know that I'm turning up as the right person with the right process. And I always say the right person with the right process doesn't have to worry about the outcome. I love the vocabulary uh, in your in, in your narrative. I think it's it's fantastic. There's another word that I wanted maybe for you to to touch on with this, Jerry, if you can, before before we let you go. And that is the whole notion of resilience, because whilst all of this is going wrong around you and you're trying to satisfy others and satisfy yourself in in in, in as many ways as you can, you know, there is, I imagine, and Personally, I experienced that there's a great level of tenacity required for that, you know. So talk to us about your understanding of resilience in this in this sphere. I've studied resilience really over the year and years and there's amazing books on it and there's all types of uh, there's all types of, you know, uh, theories about it and, and name. For me, I think you simplified. 
So the first thing I would say to anybody is, if anybody had to run from O'Connor Street in, in t- to Athlone without stopping, you could ask 100 people, do you think you'd be able to do it? And most people would say no. Then you ask them, imagine you have a three-year-old child and they're in need. They're in Athlone and the only way you can save them is if you go from Dublin to Athlone without stopping. Do you think you'd do it now? Suddenly the answer changes. Resilience for me starts with why. Why am I doing this? There's an incredible book called uh, Man's Search for Meaning written by Viktor Frankl, who was a concentration camp victim and subjected to all types of atrocities. And yet within himself, he found this desire, this belief, this willpower to be a good person, to find his way out. And he's a beautiful line that says, he who has a why will find a how. So resilience, if something really means something to you, if, it, if you're really passionate about it, like my business, I'm driven because at 14 years old, after a, a suicide attempt, a doctor told me that I was making up my anxiety so I wouldn't have to go to school. And that is what has been inspired me to, the work I do isn't easy and I've challenged medicine, I've challenged pharmaceutical companies and I've got the kickback and I've been criticized and condemned for what people thought was fake science when in fact I had the real science. But what propelled me in all of those is I remember how I felt as a 14-year-old child when a doctor taught my mother I was making it up. And I said, I will do everything in my power to make sure that no other 14-year-old child is going to feel like that. And that has propelled me. So some days I wake up and sometimes I get slayed and sometimes it's not easy to do the work I do. But I have to go back to why am I doing this? And if I can write a book and it changes or it saves one person's life, isn't that an amazing thing to do? So the path we all have to walk isn't always easy. The challenges and the things that happen to us in life are not always simple. But we don't get to control what happens to us in life. All we get to control is how we choose to respond. So now that it has happened, I can fill the rest of my life with anger and bitterness and frustration or I can learn to forgive and let go, and I can free myself to ask myself, now that it has happened, how am I choosing to respond? So those two things for me are resilience. One is why, what drive behind what you do, why you do what you do. And the second is, sometimes it won't be plain sailing. Sometimes we'll fail, we'll, we'll get knocked down. But when we do, the only choice you have and the most powerful choice you have is how am I choosing to respond? Well, your efforts and um, endeavours are certainly not in vain if our text line is anything to uh, use as a barometer. I'll give you a flavour of them. This guest is incredible. Such wise words, says Don. Another texter says, good wishes to Jerry, following him for years now and he's truly an amazing man. Thoroughly enjoyed his last show on the National Concert Hall and currently reading his second book. Um, another texter um, says, good morning, Edward, speaking of panic attacks, alcohol can cause them and sometimes a small amount for some people. Coffee as well. We never hear that said, uh, says Pauline. So that's but a flavour of, of it coming in. Uh, Jerry, if I can just remind people, your book is called The Freedom Within and uh, there's a great level of information in that. But the Soul Sunday workshops, details of which can be found on soulspace.ie, the next one taking place on the 14th of April at Johnstown Estate. Uh, this is a, 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 a day-long um, 
endeavour in, in, in this work of personal development and resilience? Yep, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's okay writing the books, but what I love doing is actually take people through this. So it, it's a powerful experience where you immerse people in this work for a day. And it's not just an intellectual idea that they have in their head. Throughout the day, you actually bring this to life. You show people how to let go, how to release anger, how to change stories. And even in that few hours of a day, it, it's intense. And anyone that's been to my shows will know that mm. I'm at service of the crowd. I really take them through something. So it's not just about reading saying, that's what I have to do. In these shows, I help you do it. I assist you to do it. So people leave looking lighter. Sometimes they look totally different. People who haven't smiled for years walk out with a smile on their face. Does it make all the challenges in your life disappear? No. Does it make the adversity in your life suddenly disappear? No. But what it does is it gives you the tools and the skills and the passion to go and challenge those things in a whole new way. So... We, we can't always make our life easier. We can't make the challenges in our life disappear. But what we can always do is make ourselves stronger, more resilient, more compassionate, and more focused. So when we take our attention away from the outside world and we awaken that power within, something amazing happens. Jerry, thank you for sharing all of that with us this morning. It's certainly, I have more uh, keynotes and words written down here um, based on our, on our conversation and certainly... Uh, fuel for reflection uh, indeed thank you so much and people can check you out on soulspace.ie but for now Jerry, continued good wishes with all of your work in this space good morning thanks for having me God bless God bless indeed that's Jerry Hussey there what an interesting man wasn't he uh, really interesting um, social dance there's a social dance in Rahana Hall on this Sunday the 14th of January admission is 10 euro refreshments plus a raffle and you can dance the night away to the Wicklow man uh, says one of the dolls of Rahana Jesus I really need a good go with the dolls and dying to have a good meet up and a good glass of vino and chat all things drama and social dancing and crack and farming and milking uh, cows and lambs and everything with the two dolls in Rahana so that's going to happen very very soon now let's take a little break Arash Arish Ikyan Kuplin Omeith Van Anshaw The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden with thanks to Lyrath Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on lyrath.com. Carlo. Kilkenny. KCLR. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. Um, lovely to have you with us, uh, as always. Now, I'm delighted to be joined on the telephone line by Tony Christie, the incredible Tony Christie, who stopped the world in its tracks by announcing he wouldn't let his dementia diagnosis in 2021 stop him from performing and he wants to show that living with dementia doesn't have to mean an end to this creativity and exploration. Tony joins us on the line, but just before that, let's give you a reminder of where you will know Tony from. When the day is dawning On a Texas Sunday morning How I long to be there with Marie, who's waiting for me there. Every lonely city where I hang my hat ain't as half as pretty as where my baby's at. Is this the way to Amarillo? Every night. 
Yes, indeed. First released in 1971. Is This the Way to Amarillo is a classic and has certainly stood the test of time. What night out is not complete without a belt of it? And I'm delighted to be joined by Tony Christie. Tony, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to talk to I you. I shall and be over there soon and I shall be waiting to hear the audience sing that along with me. Absolutely, because you're coming um, on a tour um, to Ireland. You're going to the Opera House and to Dublin and Belfast. Tell us about the tour, Tony. Um, Cork I'm doing, the Opera House in, in Cork and, and the Helix in, uh, in Dublin. Yeah, but it's just, just, a, just a couple of dates. I am getting ready for a bigger, bigger tour, which I'm, I'm doing Europe. And uh, again, they want to do New Zealand and Australia and all that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm very busy. And, I, you know, I'm one of those that like working. So, you know, I really look forward to doing it. It's, it, it's almost, uh, and I, I know it may seem trite, but it is almost like a bug, isn't it? This, this performance uh, and, and everything. You know, when, you, when you've known it and grown up with it and been such a big part of it, I presume it's, it's very difficult to leave the, the stage behind, you know, particularly when the talent remains. Well, yeah, it's one of those things. I, 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 I'll, never, I'll never retire. <laughs> they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to shoot me. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, you know, it's 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 one of those things. I was. Uh, I just enjoy working, and it's, and thank God that, uh, you know, I've got a very mild version of of. of uh, I forget what it's called now. Oh, um, <laughs> that's a joke. Um, <laughs> what do they call it? Self-deprecation, <laughs> is it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. But I, you know, it's not affecting my my singing. It's not affecting my show. It's it's just a thing, and I, you know, I came out with it because um, I I wasn't ashamed of it, and and I've been stopped in shops and in, and on the streets, people thanking me for doing it. They said, "Well, because you came out, my husband did it, or my wife did it," mm-hmm. and uh, and it's it's so it's opened up, and people are not ashamed of it anymore. And how has it manifested itself in you, Tony? Or how did how did this diagnosis get get discovered? It was. Um, it, well, I've been about for fifty years at least. I've been a big crossword, cryptic crossword fanatic. Yeah. I do. I do a couple of papers every every day. Um, and suddenly, I was uh, about two a couple of years ago. I was doing it. I was starting to struggle a little bit, and I just said to my wife, "I said, what? I don't know what's wrong with me. I used to." Do these very easy these cryptic crosswords in the ma- in the mail and the Telegraph and all these papers, and um, she said, "Well, let's just sit and see the doctor." And they gave me tests, and they said, "You've got the the onset of of um, of um, I've got the name what I've got." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how did it feel, uh, Tony, when you hear those when you hear those words? Because I presume, and and I can only project my presumptions, but I presume we always think the worst. Did you? No, um, not really. It didn't affect me that you know. It's not affected my 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 work at all. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm still. You know, my voice is as good as it ever was. My, my 
you know, I'm, I'm still the same person. It's just, you know, you, you do forget a little thing. And what I use, I use, I use, I use a screen on stage for my lyrics, which, but I've done that for about, oh, 15 years um, and more. And, and, and every act I've ever seen, big, big American superstar stars, they all use the same. They have screens with their lyrics on. Because if you're doing albums, stuff from your albums that you recorded, I've done 40-odd albums in my life. I've done 50-odd albums. And you, you, they, you do one of them, the songs. There's no way you can remember those things. It's, you know, so you have the lyrics there for you. You don't want to spoil the show because you've forgotten the lyrics. You know? Absolutely. Uh, talk to me then about kind of the prep work for a, for a tour. So um, just to give people the dates, you're coming to the Cork Opera House on the 25th of January, the Helix on the 26th and the yeah. Ulster Hall in Belfast on the 27th. Talk to me about, you know, you have had a very illustrious career with hit after hit, as you said, 40 or 50 albums. How do you kind of uh, sit down at a table uh, in terms of your planning and condense all of that down into like a a two or two and a half hour show? Because there's obviously going to be expectations, you know, everyone will want to bop away to Amarillo and lots of other hits. No, I mean, I've, I've made so many albums and I get so many requests to do songs for my albums because, I've, I, you know, I've, done, I've recorded some fantastic songs. And it's a shame that they, you know, that they, if I don't do them, people say, oh, we've got this album, we've got that album, oh, we'd have loved you to have sung that song from it and all that kind of thing. So now I've started putting in uh, a lot of stuff in from my albums that people, you know, that I know for a fact, they're just great songs and I know that people like them. It's absolutely uh, fantastic. Is there anything you need to do now? Pushing aside the the pushing aside the the diagnosis or whatever, but in general, you know, touring is is a, a grueling and arduous task. You know that level of performance, the commitment, yeah. uh, you know, the energy that you must expend during that performance to kind of entertain such large throngs of people. That in itself yeah. can take a toll. What do you do in terms of? general physical preparation and as I said that's aside from 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 the dementia diagnosis but what do you do to, um, to prepare yourself as, as as the years pass on I'm I'm very I'm very fortunate that I'm, I've been given a, a good a good physique um, I, I used to be a cyclist for years and years and okay. years a lot you know but uh, I don't do that anymore um, and, and I used to I had a, unfortunately, I had a fall in about 10 years ago in, in, in Germany on stage. I, I fell over a, a speaker that was left on stage by the act that was on before me, and they're, they're, they'd forgotten to take this speaker, the black speaker that was left in the wings. And I went over and I, cr- I crushed the three uh, bottom bones in my, in my spine at the back. So since then, my, my only hobby for years and years has been golf. And I uh, I mount my my own golf tournaments for charities and all that kind of thing, and uh, and this happened about ten years ago and it's gradually got worse, and now I can't even play golf. You know I can't I, I'm not allowed to to twist, and the doctors you know they said whatever you do you you've, you've got a very bad uh, you know, back at the bottom, which I I, I, I ignore anyway. Mm. Um, I refuse to give in with it. So they said whatever you do just but don't have don't have it operated on. Just, uh, just stop playing golf. So that's really that's my hobby killed. Jesus. Yeah. Listen, it's absolutely fantastic. The voice known to so many, the talent known to all, uh, that showmanship and the the, the yeah. unmistakable voices is coming our way. 
and um, all I could say is continued good wishes to you Tony and hope the the tour goes great and uh, when the European tour is launched perhaps you might come back on and chat with us about that as well but for now thank you and good morning I definitely will and thanks for ringing lovely to have you on with us and good wishes enjoy the tour and uh, uh, your sense of joy de vie is uh, is certainly palatable good, palatable. good morning I will be to you uh, palpable even uh, nonetheless my my own voice is is, uh, is is going as well I think it must be maybe my mind um, of the words but anyway um, it's certainly palpable there uh, Tony Christie known to all let's take a break The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden KCLR with thanks to Lyrath Estate Kilkenny's luxury hotel perfect for spoiling yourself more details on lyrath.com KCLR. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. Uh, Edward Hayden here with you on the Saturday show. A couple of texts here to get to. Um, Hi, Edward. 50 albums. Amazing. The only song I know by Tony Christie is Amarillo. Maybe play uh, another one. Thank you, uh, Kirsty, for that. Um, Lots of people really uh, enjoying our conversation with Jerry Hussey. Uh, Good morning to you, Edward. Can you please play a request for my beautiful fiance, Mary Murphy in Callan, and for James and Jim Holden, and my mother, Bernie Curtis in Barntown in Wexford. And that comes in from Paul Curtis in Wexford and delighted to do that as well. Now, uh, you may have heard of stories over the last number of days and of course the last number of weeks with regard to protests taking place uh, with regard to those uh, seeking international protection. There was an intention that 50 single men um, seeking international protection were going to be housed in the Capuchin Friary in Dublin Street in Carlow Town during the week. A very quick U-turn was made by uh, the department and the government and it's now um, suggested that families are going to be housed in the Capuchin Friary. Jennifer Moneen O'Connor, um, TD for Carlo and Kilkenny, uh, joins me in studio. And um, apologies, just turn on the mic. Uh, Jennifer Moneen O'Connor joins me in studio. And Jennifer has been uh, involved in this and has been speaking um, locally and nationally about this over the last week. Jennifer, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward, and to you and all your listeners. Thanks, Jennifer, uh, for coming in to us this morning. Um, Jennifer, listen, I suppose looking at it more nationally, this story has kind of really uh, flooded the national sphere in the last number of uh, weeks. You know, we're now hearing Ballon Robe last night on the television. We were looking at uh, protests taking place in Ross Grey. There has been a number of arson attacks, uh, you know, uh, potentially destroying or destroying buildings that were potentially used or going to be used to house either families or um, single men. This has now visited Carlo. It visited Carlo during the week. If you can just take us back a step or two, when did the news or the information first come out that the Capuchin Friary was going to be used to house uh, those seeking international protection? Um, absolutely, Edward. Um, last Tuesday, I would have received a phone call from the department and I was told that there would be 50 international protection applicants going into the Capuchins, Fiery Street, Dublin, um, as we know, Fiery Street. Um, um, and uh, that then, of course, I then got a, a briefing document, which I have here as well, 
which uh, updates on the temporary emergency accommodation for international protection applicants. It just says Capuchin's guest accommodation, Dublin Street, Carlow. And that's what I received. And in, in that then was just points of, you know, um, you know what would happen within the next... Uh, it's a year's contract, Edward. Um, it was the first I've heard of it. Um, I then, of course, straight away contacted... So who owns the building at the minute? That is privately owned now. Any building that is leased out like this would be a private owner. It's nothing to do with the government. The government don't own that building. So it's privately owned building, Edward. So are the government seeking a lease from the private owner for the year to kind of house those seeking international protection? So what would have happened is the owner of the building would have contacted the department because, as you know, the department were looking for, you know, premises Mm -hmm. and the owner of that premises of the Capuchins um, would have contacted the department and then the department would have been in talks with the owner. Yeah. So then... A protest was 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 initiated. Uh, a protest because there seemed to be resistance to uh, men, fifty single men seeking international protection, being housed in this. Uh, a protest was um, initiated, and a very quick U-turn was was made. And then a subsequent memo came from the department suggesting Jennifer that now this premises were going to be used to house families. Can you tell us maybe the exchanges that would have happened around that and how that quick U-turn was made by the department and invariably by your government? Well, first of all, I can say again, as I did, the minute I heard about this, I was on to the department straight away, as you do. And just again, to get information. And the biggest issue for me, Edward, was about the communication and the information and transparency. And that was a huge issue because people needed to know. So I I can answer. What I can say is I really want to say that this was what they're saying is this was an alleged U-turn by the department. I don't know. We need to. I've been on to the department about this. There was the U-turn. I can say that. But I can only say that that was by the department. And again, the ministers and as I said, I can only make myself clear on that. That was done through the department and the ministers. But what I can say, Edward, is I'm spokesperson for children. Uh-huh. So when I realised families were to be going into the building, I, as a, a spokesperson for children, was, you know, was as I'm glad that now, it, like that we've got it cleared that it is families. And at least I'm now able with this proper information, able to say it's families going in to the caption buildings. And we'll come to that in just a moment. A texter, when we said you were coming on this morning, a texter has sent us in a text and says, yes, Edward, it just shows people power can reverse government decisions. Going forward, we need more of this where the public are not happy with decision making. The inference of our texter is that, you know, if people weren't happy that 50 men were going in, they protested and that decision was U-turned and that decision, that U-turn action has been replicated around the country in other places. You're talking about communication. Carlo isn't the first instance of this, you know, knee-jerk U-turning and the snap information that someone is coming in. So I'm wondering, communication is key, but I'm wondering, is there any learning to be had for the department, you know, because it's moving from Carlo to Ross Gray. It's kind of like the hot potato, but it seems to be the same uh, approach every time. Uh, a quick announcement, then a protest or something worse, and then a, a U-turn. You know, Surely I, that's sloppy. Absolutely. Look, I was very firm on this with the department. 
This is about people and communities. And, you know, and I said this, Carlow people like other places, I'm sure, and I can stand up for the Carlow people. Carlow people are very good. But when something like this is announced on a Tuesday, no one knows what's happening. There has been no consultation, communication, transparency within the community. And then the community will come back and say, oh, you knew about this or, you know, yours, you know, that's your place to know. But we, I did not know. And you can see that, as you're saying, around the country. Mm. We are officials. We are not, as public representatives, being told what is happening. That Why? has to stop. I trying to find out. Edward, I have spent from Tuesday up till this morning talking to the different departments, finding out about services, finding out what I can do to make sure that I'm communicating back to the people of Carlow what I know. And it has to change, you're right. We have to change the process of what has gone on before. We cannot allow this. It's people. I think the reason this is happening is it's because people are not informed. Uh, Jennifer, you were on with Mary Wilson the other morning on Morning Ireland um, as well and there has been, I suppose, much discussion around that as well. I might re-ask you the questions that Mary Wilson asked you, maybe. Uh, did you attend the protest that was called in Carlo? No, Edward. And uh, first of all, I can say absolutely, and I'll clarify it now, I did not attend the protest. And when Mary did ask me the questions, I can say personally, I actually thought I answered them because what I had said was, my response was, I am working within the community. I will speak to anyone, any individual or any valid group. And I have to say that now about their concerns. I will talk to any valid group. But I did not attend the protest. And and she asked you that and you didn't, I suppose, answer. So now you have answered. I have answered it. I did not attend Why the protest. Why did you not attend the protest, Jennifer? I, I didn't. Well, first of all, as you know, I was probably, as you, well, I was actually in Dublin. I was on TV3. Yes. Um, but I didn't attend the protest because I believe, and I said this on, on Mary Wilson's show, that I, my best way was to speak to anyone that wanted to speak to me. I had to talk with the department. I feel when people get the proper communication and information, Edward, people are good overall. It's a very small minority of, of group, I believe, that are triggering this. And it is causing huge concerns in community. I can tell you Edward, there's fear in communities. Now, some might say... Can I ask you what those fears are, Jennifer? Because I suppose uh, we looked at it the other night. We had seen yourself and um, Deputy Verona Murphy were on um, the other night with other with other speakers. You know, and everybody keeps talking about this fear and nobody seems to want 50 men, single men, seeking international protection coming to their community. Is there any sense of why that is the case? Well, now I can just give you my opinion, Edward, and my own opinion is that the fears are based on misinformation, untruths. And again, I can only say spread by a small minority of groups. Like if you look at social media, and this is just an example, some people are saying they're dangerous, they're predators, they're criminals, but there's no evidence again of this. And, you know, this is where I feel public consultation and communication is so important. And and I said this as well on Mary Wilson's show, regardless of gender, these people are human beings. As a mother, a woman, a TD, I am concerned and saddened that vulnerable people are being targeted and labelled by some people who don't understand the sadness and the roots of, of the crisis. And we, we have an obligation. And speaking, Edward. Jennifer, to the people in Carlo, people that are contacting, you're saying you're very busy dealing with people that are contacting you. Do you feel that their concerns are now being abated now that it is families that are going in and not 50 single men? 
Like our men, it, it's almost like men are being demonised in the middle of all of this. Do you know, Edward, I don't necessarily agree with that now and I'll tell you why. If you look at Dublin Street last night and you know some families have gone in, I, I, I will inform you of this, families have gone in. There's 11 uh, people gone in. Um, there's a, a few months old, there's a baby, I think a few months old. There's a child of, I think, around three. There's a, a child around seven. Mm. Um, and, you know, people are still protesting on Dublin Street at the Friary, at the Capuchins Friary. And, you know, I think we have to be very mindful here, Edward, that, again, the, like this needs to be sorted as in we need to again and I'm going back to the government on this it is again about information and transparency and communication because this will be complicated by individuals who choose to fuel fires of hate and I've seen this on social media look i seen myself you asked me about can I just go say this to Edward when I did my interview on Morning Ireland and um, it, you know it says your interview was a car crash now some people might think that you didn't answer the questions. But Edward, I thought I'd answered the questions. I then was addressed by, I addressed uh, the interviewer's name several times. Did you see that? Yes, uh, it's I all did. over. Ah, uh, yeah. But, but I mean, but I Edward, suppose I, Mary I Wilson said, you know, we'll, we'll deal can with our I just own say, interview. Yeah, yeah, here. Sorry, can I just say on that? When I was, my mother always taught me when you're in an inter talking to someone, it's always respectful and courteous to be polite and use that name. I'm very conscious, did I use it too much? But all these things, Edward, are on yeah, I suppose social that's, media yeah, or whatever. But it's not yeah. necessarily re relevant to, to what we're okay, talking but about. But it is to me now. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, uh, lots of texts coming in here as well. A caller has called, why are they bringing people in during the night if it's legal? Um, that they were brought in through Cox's Lane last evening. Is that the case? At three o'clock yesterday evening. Okay. It was yesterday evening at three o'clock. The Gardaí escorted them in at, at three o'clock yesterday evening. Again, Edward, and I can only state this, and I'm saying to people, again, stuff is going up on social media that is not correct. So it was three o'clock yesterday evening they were brought in to cut in through the world brought in the back lane. Is it safe? Well, Edward, I would like to think it is safe. I, I'm going to give you my experience now. And I think this is very important. Social media has played a huge role in this. And my staff themselves now have said where they sent me a video where someone has said protest outside the TD's office. And I'm all for, for a protest, peaceful protest and of freedom of speech. But there's such fear in the community now. People, there's such hatred put out there. My staff are now afraid. I'm gone afraid. So Edward, look, as I said, Carlo people are so good but social media now really needs to be looked at and you probably know I'm on the uh, task force with the Oireachtas Commission with uh, Noreen O'Sullivan and I will be bringing Carlo as a case of what has happened since Tuesday on social media people being targeted false information fake identities and that and it's unacceptable there is that fear let's, there Edward Let's take a break now, good morning. You're very welcome back. If you've just joined us, lots of texts coming in to us uh, here um, with regard to uh, the situation in Carlo. Emma is on to us. Emma has uh, is said that she had organised the protest and that we should have contacted her. And it's unfair to her and all of the supporters that stood out in the cold. Jennifer did not come near us. Um, and I think uh, the deputy has indicated that was the case. Jennifer also, or excuse me, Emma also goes on to say that single men should not be coming near Ireland and that Jennifer is wrong uh, with this regard. She goes on to say that people are outside St. Bridget's and not the Capuchin Friary 
and um, another texter is saying that uh, is there any truth that people are going to be going into St Bridget's in Carlo as well Jennifer remains with us Jennifer is there any indications around St Bridget's in Carlo? Okay well firstly um, I would absolutely be delighted to meet Emma and you, I've said that I will talk to Emma anytime I would be delighted to sit down and talk to her I have put that question to the department and I have been told at the moment that um, there has no contract been signed um, and they will come back to me and that they, if it if it is signed and whatever happens in the next few weeks or whenever it happens, I can't give a date, I don't know. Again, that they will be looking at families, children and Going women. Going into St Bridget's. Yes, children and women in St Bridget's, again, will be a priority. Again, I can't confirm that. All I know is from the department because this was asked by me by several people had come to my office and asked me again I went back to the department and said look we need to have an update on St Bridget's it has been brought to my attention again and in fairness I understand people have concerns um, Emma is right there is the concerns out there but again what I've been told What are the concerns Jennifer we can't seem to get to the bottom of this why are people concerned about single men the other night people were saying that you know there's no services for single men but yet when 50 families 50 people comprising families are coming there doesn't seem to be the same uh, use of no services uh, logic uh, around that as well Edward, again, look, it, it, is, it is about communication and transparency. And there is an issue with services, Edward. I stand up every week in Leinster House and I say, we have a shortage of children being need to be assessed. We have a, a shortage of, as you know, doctors, dentists. We have hospital appointments. So I see it. But look, and, and Emma is right. It's, it's more about what is happening. It's about communication, information, and it's misinformation about, like when you spoke about the men there, like it's about, are they vetted? They are vetted, but are they dangerous? Are they predators? Are they criminals? It's letting people know what is going on. And that is the, the only way we can work and sort this out. And yeah. this is across the country now, Edward, by but the way. isn't it the case that everybody seems to be more happy when there's a family coming as opposed to single men? And, and that in itself seems to be the concern. But the other concern is where are the single men going to go because they're not let into Ballinrobe they're not let into Carlo they're not let into Ross Grey so I mean that's the situation it's kind of a case of you know move on to the next spot until until more things are coming as well uh, another texter saying that people um, are that uh, da, 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 in relation to Jennifer Menange she never came down to chat to the people of Carlo at this protest Carlo people have valid concerns over our town and that is that is the case you know there's a lot of people that are involved in these protests that have a validity uh, to and, it and Edward that's why I'm able to say this morning and I will speak to anyone and I've said that but okay. I, I'm just trying to get as much information as I can from the department to give to the people of Carlo there is 11 people gone in there are children within that group and just to let them know and I will okay, find Jennifer, out more information thank you let's go to the news thanks to Jennifer thanks to Ashton for producing I'll see you next week the KCLR text and WhatsApp line 083 306 9696. Sponsored by Dinners Ready Market Yard Kilkenny. Now serving homemade hand stretched pizza from our gas fired pizza oven from 12 30 pm. The perfect treat for kids. How are you today? 